that everybody here can easily understand. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? What? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you. What we got here is a failure to communicate. Welcome to the Uncommon Communicator Podcast. Your host, James Gable and Brandon Thompson are here to bring you enlightenment to the topic of communication. Yes, we are. Did I cry that loud enough to you? Uh, no, that was actually one of your quieter uh, introductions, if we're being honest. Yeah, I'm trying to taper it down. I don't want to seem to. I was like, am I influencing you when I do it in a, in a calm, steady manner and a polite introduction? No, I think you influence me when you mock me like, what are you selling here, Ginsu Knives? Hey, so this, I'm pretty excited. This week we're going to start a five part series. We've not done a five part series really. We haven't done a, a series since we finished Never Split the Difference. And we've technically never done a five part series because Never Split the Difference was like a twelve part series. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is our point. very first five part series. Our first five part series. Welcome to our first five part series here on the Uncommon Communicator Podcast. And so I guess every time we pick a different number, it's the first time. It's the, yeah, series. it's the first time we've done a three part series until we go back and do another three part series, another two part series. We've done plenty of one part series though. Yeah, lots. And we've done plenty of one-part series that could have been a four-part series, but we didn't know where we were going at the time. Yeah, no, because we just kind of make it up as we go along. Sure, That's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing we're going to talk about in this series is communication evolution. Mm-hmm. And I thought it's pertinent for us to talk about kind of some forgotten communications, things that have kind of faded away over history, over time, technology, and as we found out, literacy, mm-hmm. have changed some of these communication forms. But they also tie back to and have important messages for us today in our communication. They do. And they're still, like, there's, we usually said that they're still relevant in our communication today, but not only are they still relevant in our communication today, but there's still aspects of it that are used in our communication today. It, they, they have just evolved. They no longer are that little Charmander that you start with in Pokemon. They've become like a giant Charizard. We can even get to like a mega Charizard level. We can talk about some legendary Pokemon, that kind of vibe. Like they've just, they've gotten bigger, they've changed, they've evolved, you know, things like that. You know, when you said you're going to fit Pokemon into this, I really didn't think you were. Yeah, dude, he, he lit well up played. on that one too. I was like, he lit up too. Well played. But we're going to talk about five different aspects of forgotten communications. This first one that we're going to talk about is the town crier. Mm-hmm. And Good. that's the guy that stubs his toe and then comes running out in the street and cries, right? With that's, like tears in his eyes. He, he could be crying. Or, or kind, of, kind of like the town drunk, where except this time they're just always crying. Yeah. Like Taylor Swift is like the United States is like town crier because breaks up with the boyfriend and then writes an album about it and, and just all does is cry. Makes a billion like, dollars. Like there's a reason why it. there's teardrops on her guitar. Yeah, I don't think that's where we were talking about. Oh, there's a different kind of town crier? Well, what I thought was interesting is the is the term crier is actually a French. It comes from like a French verb and it means to listen. Okay, so, but so what exactly is a town crier if not somebody that just always is crying? That just constantly has like an onion around them and is just always bawling tears. Right. So crying, I believe, is like crying out. So like it's I really... was crying when I met you. Now, however that Aerosmith song I don't know. Goes. Keep going. That's a Steven Tyler song. Yeah. I'll inject it in there at some point. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, the town crier. What is the town crier? Well, it's, it's not the person that carries an onion around. <laughs> it is not. They believe it happened around 1066 AD, so definitely medieval times. During that point is when the town crier kind of came into an existence. And that individual would give the information, proclamations Mm -hmm. from the king or from at least the royalty of the area, giving messages to the town folk. 
So is this the person that would run around with like a giant bell and go like, bring out your dad from, or have you seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Of course. Okay. Yeah. So it's like the person that like rings the bell and goes, bring out your dad, except they're like new taxes starting Monday. <laughs> well, that's that actually is exactly it. They did have a bell. Very common. There's pictures of guys carrying bells that were town criers that ring the bell. One thing about that is it was a profession of high intelligence. I mean, yeah. This individual not only could project their voice, and which is interesting to know, like the world record projection town crier is somewhere around 113 to 120 decibels. They could project their voice consistently. Look, I just want to, I need to find this person and I want to meet them because I think I can do better. Well, we're going to check you later. Not on this podcast. (laughs) podcast. I do have a decibel meter and we will check your decibel levels. Okay. Not in the house while the dogs are sleeping. Yeah, maybe later. But the idea is they had the ability to project. But the one thing that really set them apart was their ability to read. No way. And I didn't know this, but illiteracy, obviously, literacy has improved over the last couple hundred years. What is literacy? So literacy is the ability to read and write. Oh, okay. Got it. Things I learned in elementary school. Things that most, a lot of people learn in elementary school. But what I found out is back in 1820, only 12% of the world's population that's estimated were considered literate. Well, yeah. I mean, like, so if you think about it, right, you, you go back that far and you have, you guys, people that are in court, right? So you have your kings, your queens, your knights, or whoever, your, your, your maesters from Game of Thrones, the, the, the preachers and the, and the, 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 the spiritual people, yada, yada, yada. And like those are the people that don't actually have to, I wouldn't say don't have to work for a living, right? But like they're not using their hands and not out in the fields doing all that good stuff, right? So if you have some like a scribe, their their whole purpose of existence is to literally just write things down, right? You had people that were like specifically working on just rewriting books. Like some like scribes, like someone would just write a book and then they didn't have a printing press. So the only way to get like if you wanted to do something again, you either had to rewrite it the exact same or you had to pay, like get, not necessarily pay, but you had to get somebody else to rewrite and copy that book. If you wanted two copies of a book, man, it was like four months. It was going to take a while. It was going to take a while. Right. <laughs> so these are the people that like, yeah, so uh, they, they have more value, right? Like their, the education is their value and it's the same thing. Uh, but if you go, oh, you know, the peasants, that's not the right term, but you just go to the common folk, Right. Does a butcher need to learn how to read no. to like skewer maybe a pig? Maybe do math. I mean, maybe, but like I'm pretty sure back in the day they didn't have those thermometers, so they're just like, nah, that looks like the right color. This juice is falling right there. We're gonna pull that off the skewer, right? The butcher doesn't have to do this. A farmer's just out in the field nine times out of ten. Talks, you know, to the the wife and the kids. Doesn't no purpose for the farmer to know how to read. They didn't. They didn't learn it, right? They there was no need, as opposed to where you go to um, the castle or to the you know to court. And you have to be able to be pro- right, learning, just learning just basic manners is a proper thing to do. You're, and you, you come off as educated and higher than thee. So, yeah. It, I different like how times. you went through the old English right there as well, well it, They are higher than thee. Anyway. That, but that's like it's the, holier than thou. Ho- well, holier than higher thou, higher than, than, than thee. thee. Well, you are higher than thee on the totem pole. On See, higher than thee on the totem pole. Yeah, see what I did there? Yeah, I, no, yeah. Everybody did. Anyway, but like that's what it was back in the day, right? Like you didn't have to... There was I didn't have to read Facebook on my smartphone. I didn't have my smartphone. All I had to do was like go talk to little Timmy down the street, and that was how I was going to get my gossip. Well, and I think it is twofold. You d- you didn't need to at the time, and there certainly wasn't an education system in place. Mm-hmm. 
But in addition to that, I think there's a little bit of ownership by the upper class on the education side. They owned the education and restricted it from those who they knew as long as they were illiterate, they could have control over them. And that was part of the the scenario when you had the town crier. That town crier would go out there, ring his bell, like you were talking about, and he would read the proclamation from the government or from you know whatever the lord of the area is, and he would read that proclamation to him, and then he would post it on a wall for people to read as a declaration, like this is a legal document. People couldn't read it. Yeah. But uh, they were doing whatever... Or he was reading whatever was given to them by the government, giving it to the people, and they they were given to them verbally. Yeah, it's also very important to note that if you were a town crier, you were protected by law. Well, and by I, the way, I I thought that was like one of the best things ever because this is you know th- this is back in the olden days when if you said something wrong, you could just possibly just like get punched in the face and there would be no repercussions <laughs> for it. So if you're the town crier, you're like, there's going to be a new tax on Tuesday. Don't know why you became something. You know, there's going to be a new tax on Tuesday. And someone could just like come up and be like, no, there's not. And just like lob your head off. Well, as it turns out, he's protected by law. And you are not allowed to uh, lob the town crier's head off if you do not like the proclamations that are coming down. Don't shoot the messenger. That is actually where it comes from. And I did not know that. No. And I thought that was interesting that you were talking about lobbing the head off. I guess shoot him, lob the head off. That, and it is funny. You went Southern England. On yeah, the I, I got nothing there, But that's one. fine. Yeah, I do no the reason. same thing. There's no rhyme or reason for it. I got no excuses. But they were protected by law because all they were doing was reading the pl- proclamations mm-hmm. to the people. And even though, and this is the power of words, I think this is the power of communication. When that individual represents those words that they're reading, there's a lot of responsibility that comes along with it. Mm-hmm. But the government is saying, or the person sent with that message is saying, hey, don't hurt the messenger. Mm-hmm. This is my message. Yep. And it was oftentimes bad news, like you were talking about. They never said, came out kind of like we've had some political uh, years where they're like, we're going to lower taxes. That the no, taxes that, never go enough. lower. No. They're not going to lower them and make everybody have. They didn't understand the whole economy at the time. Yeah, gas prices don't go down and gas prices go up, and the town crier come out and let you know that gas prices are going up. But yeah, so they're always protected by law. Um, and what the other cool thing is is that you were, regardless of your education level or regardless of your proximity to this possible town crier, because again, the, the, the message or the communication is only going as far as this homie can shout. And, and, you know, again, and I, I'm dead serious. I think I could be it. I could have been a town crier back Do you really then. think you're higher than 120 oh, decibels? Oh, yeah, dude, put me to work. Let's go. Airplane level. I think, I'm telling you right now, I believe I could project my voice really well. Compared to everybody else that I've seen lately, bro, nail it. Okay. Anyway, but the communication only travels as far as said human's voice, which is not very far, right? But the cool thing is, or not the really cool thing, but regardless of if you were within the realm to be able to hear this town crier, you were still still held to the um, circumstances that I'm saying, right? So if they raise taxes and you go to only pay like half of the taxes that you're supposed to pay and they're like, hey, where's the other half of the taxes? You're like, I don't have to pay it. I didn't, I didn't hear about this. You were still held to that standard of, oh yeah, you heard the message regardless. Legally binding. Yeah, legally right. binding. Whatever, the, the town crier would come out and he'd do his rounds and that was the word of law or that that was what was going on. That was, that was the news of the day. That was everything that you needed to know. 
And there, there it is right there, and now everybody's on the same page. And straight from the mouth, that's often how they heard it, but only very locally, right? Yep. Whatever was pro- proclaimed, and oftentimes they would pick a common time or ring the bell. People would hear the bell. They'd want mm-hmm. to go hear what information is going on. That proclamation was given. And then I thought the interesting part, back to where I said that they would post it on a wall, that's kind of where we got the idea of like the New York Post, Saturday Evening Post, the idea that news was posted for people to read it. And that was all part of that giving of the declaration of this town crier. This is his responsibility to do that. Yep. So we were discussing the, the reason why we're talking about a town crier, because obviously no one goes outside and yells things anymore. Mm, sometimes. You're right. People do go. We, we tend to ignore the people that are running around yelling proclamations at us these days. Is it fair to say the town crier was the CNN and the MSNBC of this time? Well, I think, yeah, I think it's important to understand how things have evolved, right? So obviously the way that we get our, we receive our news and the way that our things are communicated to us has changed drastically. So if you just look at uh, the way our government communicates with us, right? So we obviously have the, you know, your, your president, your Congress and your Senate, yada, yada, yada. But they break it down with house representatives and then Senate representatives. Um, and it's also different than when you see like the, uh, president in like a press conference than when he gives a legit Oval Office speech, right? But either way, it's direct from his mouth to your living room, right? There's, there's none of this in between long game of telephone where things can be interpreted differently. It's from one to the other. One-to-one. A one-to-one ratio it, it's of one, your information. It's very much a one-to-one ratio, right? And it's the same thing, and, you know, and you can watch local news, national news, and it, and it's it's not quite one-to-one. It's probably like, you know, one-to-two, one-to-three, whatever it is. But it's still very much from, you know, it's there, there's not a lot of disconnect. They're going to show you the location of whatever happened. They're going to show you the, the statistics. They're going to be right there. They're going to be on the side. They're going to be talking directly to the senator. They're going to be talking to right. But that, that is how... It has changed today is that it's very much become one to one as opposed to like the, we've cut out the middleman very much so in in a lot of ways. But there are other people who have become the kind of the voice of uh, of a movement in yeah. some ways. You know, that's that kind of town crier idea as well, too. But I see where you're going with that. It's that one to one ratio. You think you're getting it literally from the horse's mouth, right? Mm-hmm. You're not hearing this guy reading what the king said. You're hearing it directly from the king on his Twitter feed. Yeah, or it's like when yeah the Twitter feed, or uh, I always love it when they do the uh, the State of the Union address. So president gets up there, delivers the State of the Union address, then directly afterwards, <laughs> every news station ever has like their correspondent with like so they have like their correspondent there interviewing a quote unquote professional or like whoever. <laughs> so, what was your take on this? Well, I thought it was great when he stood up and said this. Well, I think that was very great. So then you immediately go to like almost an opinion base. You're not an opinion, but then you just go to someone else. That way they can give their take on it. Yeah, they're interpreting, which is great because they're doing it on both sides of the fence, right? Yeah, either way. If it's a Republican president, you got the liberal side who's over there it's interpreting everything bad. And the other people only heard everything good, good. on it. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's hilarious that we have to have we, – we then watch that commentary – after literally watching it ourselves and being able to formulate our own opinions because we watched it verbatim in that moment. And I think the sometimes the commentary is longer than the actual speech. We, it's like watching uh, um, like football, right? You have pregame, halftime, and postgame, right? And they're just wait, what is the, the pregame for Fox? And, and I say this is somebody that loves the Fox pregame, right? With like call. So they have like a whole show beforehand where they kind of break down the bets and whatnot. 
uh, Colin Coward's on it. And then you get the Fox pregame show. That's where you get like Howie and Terry Bradshaw and all those guys, right? Um, that are Tony Gonzalez and they come on and then it's like an hour long just break of, of the game. Nothing has happened. <laughs> they're just giving their commentary on it. And then you go watch the game. And, and while you're watching the game, there's somebody breaking down the game for you there too, <laughs> even though it's like, well, that yard got two runs. Yeah, Bill, I can see that. <laughs> I can, I can literally see that. And then you have halftime. We're like, well, as you can see, they only hit like two minutes. Yeah, man, I literally just watched it. Like, I don't need you to rebreak. But magically, we're so entranced by everything that goes on. Yeah, and so so we can't wait to watch the recap of the game at the 9 o'clock news. Yeah. And then can't wait to hear the commentary on the radio show in the morning on how the game went. <laughs> it, it, I can't get enough of this. No, yeah. So And that's that's kind of been the evolution of a crier. Just, it's just the way that we get our news has changed. Um, And then the crier was definitely – I think the crier has almost evolved into personalities. Rather than like legit news sources, um, as you can see, so originally the town crier was specifically like a, not necessarily like attached to the hip to the court, but very much like an extension of the court. And I think our modern day criers are these people that have taken this information and digested it themselves and are now regurgitating it to you as gospel. Um, I, I see town criers today is probably like a like a Tucker Carlson, a Rachel Maddow. Um, Alex Jones, I think is one of the biggest town criers we've had very recently where his, his, his quote unquote facts and opinions are just so far out there. Yeah. It might put him in jail and, or completely. I mean, he did file, he is currently filing for bankruptcy, but like that, like that is, I think that has become the new town crier where it's the person that is the loudest and can say their opinion, the fast, like, you know, the most, the loudest and the most repeated and then some people will just buy it. Yeah. And that's what we've given people a lot more platforms. It used to be that one guy, right? Mm-hmm. Town crying. Now you've got all these different voices that we have to listen to. And I think talking about the evolution, I think we looked at the job. The job kind of devolved to the fact that now we've got different ways that we're hearing this news and information, you know, through our phone, social media. We've covered all those in podcasts before. But I think the other thing that we touched on originally was talking about that literacy rate yes. being so incredibly low that you were kind of restricted to whoever could read the information that you were given you. So with the invention of the printing press, with the invention of education, really not necessarily invention, but with more people becoming educated and learning how to read. The availability and, of education. Yeah, exactly. And with that, we've created a more literate world, but still surprisingly, not 100%. No, and so uh, we did get a couple of statistics. So the U.S. literary statistics, um, 79% of the United States is literate. 21% of the United States is illiterate, Um, which still kind of baffles me just a little bit. I don't know anybody that can't read or write. I can tell you right now I'm a terrible speller. Like, I'm not here to say that, like, I'm the most literate of all time. But 21% of the United States still can't. And I think that the key with literacy, I don't believe, denotes intelligence. Although you have the ability to get information through reading, if you're only getting your information through verbal sources, then you're not going to be as informed. Formally. So I don't think it has anything to do necessarily with you know your how smart you are, but that 21% is mind-blowing to know that. And it it's not as much talking about spelling, but talking about the ability to read and the ability to write languages, mm-hmm. right? That's the literacy. And to be at 21% illiterate within the United States alone is mind-blowing to me. And the U.S. is on the lower scale of other countries throughout the world of its literacy rate, which is kind of 
mind-blowing as well, too, if you think of third-world countries and other countries that have, say, a billion people in it. Mm-hmm. Like, those type of things are really one of the drivers of of intelligence, mm-hmm. right? Like, so, what? where are we – why are we so low at our literacy rate? Why are we not teaching individuals how to read and write within our own country? Yeah. Well, so then just to give a couple more facts here. So, the average uh, among states for the literacy rate – is 88%. And this isn't adults. This is not children. This is just adults. The average literacy rate is 88%, which again, a 12% is not bad compared to the fact that it used to be 12% of the population could read it right. Not bad. Yeah. We, we, we've increased exponentially. Um, just a couple of quick little shout outs of some numbers here. California is actually pretty weak, which I was a little bit surprised by. Um, but so well, name the top three states because that's important. So the top three states. Or I'm sorry, with the lowest amount of literacy. You want you want the three states with the lowest amount of literacy is going to be New York, California, and Florida. Sorry, Florida, New York, and California in descending order. Um, now let's also discuss that this is percentages. So population definitely plays a factor. There's only one dude that lives in Alaska and he can read or write. Alaska has a 100% literacy rate. Thumbs right? up. So let's just be abundantly clear that, that these are based off of percentages and that does play a factor. Your top three in descending order of literacy rates. So this is going to be the ones that are like at 98%, whatever, right? None of them are at 98%, but those are, these are the highest ones are going to be New Hampshire, Minnesota, and North Dakota. Um, just because we're in Colorado, I figured I'd give us a shout out. Colorado has a 90.1 literacy rate in adults, in adults, um, which puts us at 22. So middle of the pack, middle of the pack. That's not bad. So why is this important in talking about this evolution of the town crier? Right. So it goes from I can't read or write, so I need to have somebody else give me my information to now as adults and individuals, we can seek out our own information. Right. I no longer need somebody to spoon feed me all my news, all of my information. I can now go educate my like I no longer need uh, like to be, I don't know, as a bad excuse to be a blacksmith. Right. I no longer need to go to a smith and say, hey, will you take me on as an apprentice? Uh, I need to learn how to do this. Right. I can now go buy like a blacksmith book and get the tools myself and probably take longer to learn it. But I can go do it myself. Right. Or like same thing with like welding. Right. You can go pick up. I as somebody that tried to learn welding, this is a terrible example because welding is a miserable experience. Um, but I could go pick up a book and I could read the book. I could analyze the book. I can then get my hands on some welding gear and I could spend 10 billion hours trying to learn how to weld because it takes 10 billion hours to learn how to weld. For Brandon to learn to weld, probably yeah, 10, billion, 10 billion, hours. billion hours to learn how to weld. But the idea is in YouTube as well, too. Like you can physically watch somebody doing the work, but the ability to have the, the ability to read and write gives you the ability to fact check, understand, learn better the things that were spoon-fed to you by an individual. So it allows you to make better decisions. You're not driven by the beliefs of that other individual because you can you can understand it a little bit better. You become more independent. So would you say would it be fair to say that literacy brings freedom? I agree with that. I mean look at uh what was the revolution Martin Luther? Um civil rights? No Martin no, the, 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 the monk, not the monk. Oh, not Martin Luther King. No, not Martin, Martin Luther, 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 the Lutheran. Yeah, with the, you know, with the pamphlet, right? He stuck a pamphlet up there and he started an entire religious revolution because more people could read when that occurred. Obviously, they still had town criers, but like 
when that occurred, more people could read and they're like, oh yeah, wait, why am I paying a penny every single time I take the Lord's name in vain? That doesn't seem smart to me. Well, um, right. But like, that's how revolution started. That's a great reference because at that point, who owned the literacy? The church. It, it was it was like the church and your and your court, right? Like your your individuals. Well, a lot uh, of times there was, and that's why we look for that separation of church and state currently within we America. Do, but back then it was it was the same thing, right? Because the people that could read and write were the people that were royalty or were in the church. And that was a great point. Is he was now getting that that Bible that word was all interpreted and given to you by select individuals. So now it's for the people. Yeah. And it's for the people's interpretation. And if you've ever been on the internet, you understand that everybody has an incredibly vast amount of interpretations for the same thing. Yeah. It's almost too much in some ways. <laughs> yeah. No. And that's, again, that can be a downside to information overload is a problem when discussing information just in general. But how do you limit information in an internet age? I don't think you can. You can't. And that's why we're talking about it now is I believe this is why it's important. We went from a town crier who interpreted, we all followed that same message. Now there's so many messages. You have to be literate. You have to be understanding of what you're hearing and be able to weed out the stuff that you're hearing as Mm -hmm. well, too. To be a good, uncommon communicator, you have to understand the conversations that are going on at the time and translate them for yourself. Yeah. So we're going to wrap up. We're going to hit our UC moment. But what I wanted to do is we didn't cover this at the beginning. Our five-part series is going to cover the town crier, which is what we just talked about. We're also going to talk about the semaphore flag. Do you know what that is? That's the red flags and the... And the yeah, I wish I could video. See, we should be on video right now. It's definitely communication through flags. And it's that definitely- basically cheerleading, but with red flags. Oh, come on. We, we, okay, I'm sorry. Give me a tea. But like put red flags out there instead of the others. We'll cover that one later. The heliograph, which is really the mirror. And that was a lot of times it was given through Morse code. But the idea of of communications through that type of auction, there's some really good facts. Not just for lighting ants on fire. It is not. And then drum beats. That that goes back all the way to even some of our more primitive cultures. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to end with talking about the instrumental hymn. Yeah. Maybe Schoolhouse Rock, too. Yeah, of course. That fits right in there. So that's where we're going to be headed with our five-part series. First five-part series of our This is podcast. our first five. This, yep. is a, this is a groundbreaking moment here. But what do you see as the UC moment for today? I think the UC moment today is be literate to the conversations of the time. That's how I would word it. Is that how you would word it? That's <laughs> exactly how I would word it's it. It's almost like it was written down. <laughs> and you read it. Mm, like a town crier. <laughs> <laughs> see, I'm glad you knew how to read the I idea think I called your town crier earlier this morning. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing how much this form of communication was tied to literacy and the ability to read. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's important to be literate to the communications over time. So that's a great UC moment for today. That's all I got. That's all I got. See, See you. Bye. bye.